Hello, everybody. It's uh, myself here on Bosco. So we're bringing you um, a podcast we are dearly hoping to get off the ground. And um, the podcast is going to be called Saints and Scholars. And we're primarily going to be looking at what's going on in Ireland, um, especially through what we believe to be a, a very important um, way of looking at things. And that's from a tr- traditional Catholic Irish perspective because it's sorely mi- missing. We've seen and uh, there's a lot of channels, a lot of uh, commentary out there and it's great stuff out there. But we've noticed that uh, in terms of the um, Catholic commentary and looking at things through a traditional uh, lens that um, there's a bit of a, a piece of the puzzle missing in, in a lot of the commentary and there's a lot happening in this domain. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and uh, talk about these things with with that in mind and uh, we've got a few things to bring to you today so um, Bosco has kindly um, he's put together a few points that we're uh, we're going to discuss so Bosco um, we finally got here we, we, we did tried this, uh, I we suppose if I a few different ways. if I can just add there just to let people know sure. that yourself and myself Creda and myself Bosco where we don't posit ourselves as any experts. Um, we, uh, you know, we have our own journeys to the faith. So we'll be learning along this journey too. Um, so bear with us if we get some issue that we're not 100% right about, but we'll do our best. But as Credit said there, we believe that there is um, a Catholic voice needed in Ireland and uh, we want to try and apply it I suppose, to the culture that we see fragmenting about us all at the moment. And sadly, the um, rather uh, submissive approach by the church in general, bar one or two brave clergymen. And I I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I think... uh... That's something we're going to talk about, isn't it? It's it's that... uh... The clergy is not a monolith um, in the present time, um, if it ever was really, you know, because uh, theologically, you know, you can go back to to the Bible and, um, you know, Christ tells us about false shepherds and whatnot. And we've talked about, about this before, about how, you know, he knew full, full well that Judas was in his midst. And um, nonetheless, you know, um, we, in our times, we, we've got a, a similar situation to that. And, well, like when uh, I, that, you know, yeah. Ju- Judas was chosen as one of the 12 apostles. And I think people, you know, are starting to understand why. I mean, it's a, it's a misrepresentation, I suppose, to think that just because you're ordained or uh, you become part of a religious, that you're impeccable and infallible. Now that we're separating that from the infallibility or the charism of, is it charism again? I'm going to have to brush up in these terms, but the role of infallibility rather in the um, in the Catholic Church, which is which has been exercised very few times, but I suppose what we're trying to say is that there's a conflation out in the public discourse that every cleric, every nun, is um. You know that they're impeccable. They they don't make sins. Everything they do is um, in line with the church, and we know that's not true because there's been some people who have um, 
uh, presented themselves as priests, nuns, whatever, who have done terrible things. And sadly, people associate those actions with the actions of the church. And that's not accurate. Those people who misbehaved were acting outside the church. And what we're trying to say is that there are forces out there that are trying to malign the faith and trying to use this opportunity of miscreants within the church to act or to associate with the church. Now, we're not trying to exculpate any people or excuse any people. We're just trying to offer, um, you know... Um, I think it's, in a, it's, a, it's a perspective that it often gets um, overlooked that because there has been abuses and scandals in the church and then effectively the baby's being thrown out with the bathwater bath and we've got a situation now where uh, even amongst national circles, nationalist circles, that they they don't see, or I, I think it's changing, they don't really see, um, I'd say in the whole though, that there's any kind of um, value perhaps to the same degree that previous generations of, of nationalists um, look to the faith. Um, and I and I think that's really important. What yeah. we're trying to get out there is that, you know, at, at desperate times in, in, in the history of Ireland, at least there was always the faith there. And I think the faith was something that saw us through no matter what, uh, be it, be it a, a famine or whatever. Um, and uh, I think we're getting close to those times again. And what worries me in particular is that uh, because we have that absence of faith, that um, it's it's that's that's a, that's a foundation that is just not going to be necessarily there. Um, I think it's very important for people to to maybe look at things again and reevaluate the situation because there's been a, a number of hatchet jobs done, um, especially with regard to. Tune, um, and that's back in the news again at the moment. And um, you know, a lot of people have, have just got that conception of what happened in Tume as this abominable uh, event. But we kind of see now that, uh, in regard to Tume and the mother and baby homes, it's actually the state now that seems to be sealing all the documents around that. And they, it's the the church or the authority figures in the church, and they're a mixed bag. But however, they want those documents released because to some degree there's likely an exoneration of what happened. But even on that though, Credit, I mean, just say in a hypothetical situation, not necessarily June, but just say something similar and if the church were proven or members of the church rather, we must use that term really, that were seen as culpable, that does not reflect on the entirety of the church as the bride of Christ. And I think that's what I'm trying to put forward, that if you go through the annals, I mean, Christian, uh, the, the Catholic Church, which was the church founded by Christ, is in existence since effectively since Christ, you know, was on this earth. And um, so over those thousand years and the number of adherents, of course, you're going to get um, fallible people who have entered the church or have done things within the church or under the church's name. But that does not necessarily mean that the church itself is wrong. And like there are only two people, two persons in the history of humankind that are considered without sin, without error. 
and that is Christ when he became incarnate because of his two natures and Our Lady, right? And everybody else is peccable. Everybody else is um, sinful. That's why Christ came to redeem us in the first place. And just because, you know, pre... I mean, even look at Fatima. I mean, the story of Fatima is not just about the three shepherd children and obviously Our Lady, but it's also about the clergy. It's about the secular authorities and how they try to impugn the children. And part of that, you know, impugning was the clergy themselves. So, like, you know, no, I do understand that they have to investigate and I think that's wise. But I'm just saying is that, you know, not everybody in the church has promoted the church in the best interests of Christ's church. And I think people like to use the, um, you know, we all know that probably in the past priests and nuns were thrown into religious orders because of, uh, you know, their own circumstances. Maybe there was one farm and the other persons and the siblings had to get an occupation or maybe, the, you know, there was a, no doubt. And we see that now that there was a lot of homosexuals who felt that they, you know, could um, live a life without accusation in a clerical or in a kind of um what would you call it a uh a um uh living app uh, apparently a chaste life in order to not bring about you know any accusations and people entered sadly the church and they weren't fit for the church now that's more an issue of human fallibility when it comes to selecting candidates but i think people need to separate what the church is, or at least understand what the church is as the assembly of Christ's, of Christ's followers on earth. And we are by nature sinful. Therefore, you're going to get sinful people everywhere. And again, I'm not using yeah. that as an excuse, but I'm using it in the same way. Greta, you're a parent, right? But you, 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 you talked about this. Sorry, Roscoe, you talked about this before and you put it very well. I think you said that those people that were errant and that did whatever actions that um, were um, disreputable in, in the church, that they weren't doing that in accordance with the, with the church's... Well, exactly. I would ask anybody. They were, they were, they were doing it uh, contrary to it. Exactly. So it's not as if, it's not as if, it's not as if uh, they were following um, guidelines and rules that they had to go out and commit various abuses. They did, they did that contrary to... Exactly. Um, to the church's teachings and I think uh, that's where people kind of get confused and um, I think um, if we were to apply the same standards um, let's say um, and maybe maybe there's a valid re point here that if the church let's let's compare it to all other institutions okay can I you know sporting bodies and whatever you know you don't stop watching rugby because you know a rugby player a couple of rugby players got up to no good yes you know there was that that scandal a while right. back you know yeah um, like you don't stop watching football because of various um, footballers that bring the game into disrepute you, you know that goes on exactly but you kind of you're, you're able to kind of di discern it and you're able to uh, differentiate it well, I liken it in a way to, yeah. to veganism. I think I gave that example before. Sorry for cutting across you, right? Like, imagine, think of this. Imagine there's a vegan organization, right? And they're very devout in their veganism. They don't like eating meat or any meat products or derivatives of any animal. 
And at the weekend, the uh, one of the higher echelons of the uh, vegan, this vegan association indulges in hamburgers, right? Or has the occasional steak, right? Yet the next week, then he's at some conference talking about the platitudes of veganism. Now, you can say two things about that. One, he's being a hypocrite, right? But also, just because he is re- he is acting contrary to what he believes doesn't mean that the beliefs are necessarily wrong. It's just that he's acting contrary to it. Doesn't mean that the vegan organization is wrong. You know, he in, in fact it just demonstrates that the guy is acting hypocritically against the um, the philosophy of the organization which which with within which he's operating. Absolutely. Well, let's go. Can we call that a part one for now? And then what we'll do is we'll we'll pick this up and um, maybe hopefully a little bit later this evening, um, in a in a little while. And then we'll kick this off and we'll go through that document you um you laid out a few things that we'd like to get covered. So is that okay? Yeah, perfect. So I'll just stop okay. it there now.